Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So we've been in our Just Prayer series, and we're gonna to continue today talking about corporate prayer. Basically, a fancy way of saying praying together, right? A corporate prayer could be just two people, or it could just be a whole group of people. So corporate prayer basically means, in its simplest form, is praying with somebody else, praying together. We're gonna to go to Acts chapter 12, and this is a very popular example of what corporate prayer is. And the scenario behind this is basically the apostles have begun to minister and the church has begun to grow after Jesus dies and rises and then ascends into heaven. The church begins, right? The Holy Spirit comes down, the church begins to grow and the gospel's being spread all over. But persecution is also happening at the same time. So the, the powers that be at that time are really trying to silence the spread of the gospel. And what happens is the apostles and the disciples and all the followers and believers of Christ are now living in a time where their faith is being persecuted. People are put in jail, people are getting killed, all kinds of stuff is happening because of the gospel. Sounds familiar, mm -hmm. right? Very reminiscent of what's happening around the world today. Um, because, you know, of the boldness that they pray for and, and, and they believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and everybody needs to know about Jesus, they continue to preach, right? The powers that be, in this particular instance, in Acts chapter 12, they get Peter. Peter is one of the main apostles of the church, the leader of the church at this time. And um, King Herod is the king at the time. And they begin to start to arrest people because now we, we need this to stop. Y'all are going to go to jail because we told you to stop preaching the gospel. So now you're going to jail, right? Uh, king Herod was a reputation of being very notorious, very evil, very wicked, atrocious persecution he was doing to the church. So Peter is taken to jail. Uh, let's think about this, right? If Herod is known for being uh, very cutthroat and ruthless in his attempts to silence the gospel, now Peter is in jail in his hands. You could imagine what the church is feeling now and the fear that they're feeling now because now Peter has been put in jail. Before that, one of the disciples are killed. So James is killed by Herod, right? So it's getting intensified, the persecution is getting intensified, and now there's quote unquote, real consequences to really standing up for your faith, right? So there's three basic things about corporate prayer that I think is very important that we wanna focus on in the next few minutes, using this kind of as a backdrop, and we'll have some other examples, but the first thing about corporate prayer that's most important is agreement. Corporate prayer is only as effective as your level of agreement with who you're praying with, right? And like we often say, we grew up in a ministry in a church that was very, very, very- uh, Prayer-oriented. Prayer-oriented, yes. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing, right? But it's also something that challenged us, and me particularly, because sometimes when you grow up with something, it's very easy to take for granted the magnitude of what it is, right? For many people who grow up in church, for example, they don't really appreciate 
the magnitude of the gospel or the magnitude of what it means to be a Christian or be, because it's then that conflict between being a churchgoer and being a believer. You have that wrestling that happens inside of you, trust me. So it's not until you, there's a level of a humility that has to happen where you're like, okay, there's a part of me that has to unknow what I know in order for God to show me something new and something fresh about him. So just because I go to church don't mean I know God. Just because I go to church every Sunday don't mean I have a real relationship with the Lord, That's, right? You know? So it's just like, just because I go to prayer service don't mean I prayed effectively and prayed corporately. Because if I'm going to prayer service but don't have an intimate prayer life, then I'm not really praying corporately effectively, right? So this whole idea of agreement is important. And agreement is more than just coming together and saying, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Let's pray about this. Agreement is a deep connection. It's a deep understanding of number one, agreeing on the will of God. Because we understand, as we've been saying before, that when we pray, our prayers that get answered are ones that are aligning with God's will. And oftentimes when we think about corporate prayer, we're thinking about corporate prayer like, okay, is strength in numbers, right? So we really need God to do this thing. We really need God to change the situation. We're going to move God and make God do something. So let's all come together and bind together and pray so that we can move God, right? And that, that's, that's kind of like the, 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 the mentality that we can kind of fall into when it comes to corporate prayer. But agreement in that way is a little deeper in that we're not coming together to necessarily move God. We're coming together to make sure that our wills are aligned with God's will and that our intention for coming together is pure. So we're agreeing in the motive area. So we're agreeing on God's word together. So the whole idea of agreement is important. And uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of times when we come together corporately, that's something that's missed. And the impact of that is missed. And we go back in the book of Genesis with the Tower of Babel. And they all came together and they agreed in the fact that we're going to build this thing to reach heaven. And their agreement caused God to notice it. Their agreement coming, and even if it was, even, even though it was something that wasn't pleasing to God, it caused God to be impressed, not because of what they're doing, but because of how they came together to do it. So think about that. You know, you have your intimate secret prayer life where that's where the primary time of your devotion to God is. And you're setting up intentional time to be with the Lord. And now you come together with someone who's also doing that, right? So someone who's also has an intimate prayer life or striving. And you come together now, like-mindedly agreeing on whatever the issue is or whatever you're seeking God for. That's where you're going to get a powerful prayer. So say, for instance, we're coming together and we are believing God for a certain issue, right? but I struggle with my faith in this issue. I, I don't have as much faith in this issue, but you do. Us coming together, praying and agreeing that only God is the source and God is the one that we need help from. Where I may be struggling in my faith, me hearing you pray, we agree and you strengthen my faith. And then it might be an area where I'm stronger than you. We're coming together and we're bringing our faiths together in agreement for a common goal, right? Yeah. I was going to say um, a little ways back, the image that comes to mind is, you know how you, ha you have fans of a particular team, right? A, a particular it, with sports. I, I mean, I'm not into sports like that, mm -hmm. but, 
you know, that you got some sports where the fans are fanatics. Yeah. And personally, they may wear their, you know, regalia, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, their hats and the, the jersey. The face or, paint stuff. Right. Yeah. And Extreme. individually, they may herald it on their Facebook page, on their car. They may have a bumper sticker. So that's their individual devotion. But when they come together in the stadium or, or, or in, in whatever place they gather on one accord, right? They come together and the synergy that takes place in that place is unparalleled because you've got this person over there and that person over there mm -hmm. and they all come together for one purpose, and that's to see their team win mm -hmm. in that moment. And, you know, that's a loose uh, example, but it comes to mind because, like we've been saying, they come together on one accord yeah. with one mind and one heart. Yeah. And that's one goal that they want to see accomplished. And they gain strength. And, and, and I, I can only imagine, you know, you have a team that you love so much when you see other people love it the same way, yeah. if not more, it's infectious, right? Mm -hmm. And it causes you to root them on and cheer them on even more mm -hmm. in hopes that, you know, it fuels their win. Mm -hmm. So much, how much more, like when we come together as believers, having a private devotion and having our hearts, you know, individually um, aligned to God's will, when we come together, it fuels our faith even more. Yeah. And then it also, it fuels our excitement. And like we'll talk about later, mm -hmm. our expectation, yeah. because, you know, we, we, we're coming together and we can't help but expect God to do something. And mm -hmm. I, I'm sure that God sees that mm -hmm. his children coming together and, you know, it, it, it makes his heart just as happy to see mm -hmm. us come together looking to him. So... You know, I was just an example that came. That's from. an awesome example. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it um, uh, statistically, it's something called uh, home cooking or home court advantage, right? Mm -hmm. that, that the energy that you get from people that really believe in you, even if you ain't that good, <laughs> you have a higher chance of succeeding than you would in a hostile environment. So, and we got to think about this about prayer. Prayer is a very spiritual thing. Okay, and there are forces that are fighting what we're praying, right? So think. So if you think about like it's less about moving God, and more about making sure that our mindsets are right, so that we have confidence to believe that we're being heard, so that we have a confidence in God's word to know that He hears us, right? Because when you set yourself to pray, and we said this before, and this is the whole idea of like the tent thing, right? Drowning out the noise, drowning out the world, and all that kind of stuff. Corporate prayer is like the tent on steroids, that everybody's coming together and we are all drowning out the noise together. So where I may get distracted, you're there helping me to stay focused. And you can, and that's, that's mm -hmm. the synergy that's created, you know, in, in the things. I think that was, that was an awesome mm -hmm. example. So if we go to Acts um, chapter 12 and look at verse five. Before this, we understand, and we said this, King Herod was a scary king, okay? And he was, the Bible says, dealing violently with those who believed and who were following the gospel and trying to spread the gospel, the Christians. So their expectation of anybody who got caught in his clutches was not good, okay? But the Bible says in verse five, while Peter was kept in prison, the church prayed fervently to God for him. Now, this is interesting here because there's a word here that 
um, speaks to this agreement, right? It doesn't say the disciples and all the people came together and prayed fervently for him. They encompass that whole group by one word, the church. Church meaning a unified body of believers for one specific cause came together. And notice, like that word stands out in this particular text because they could have said the disciples and the women. But now we have a definition for what corporate, um, God has given a corporate name to this body now, right? The church, the universal believers in Christ, they come together in agreement for the church's purpose. So it wasn't our friend Peter is in jail. It was Peter's a part of us, the church. So there's an agreement like we're praying for him from a point of view of oneness. The second thing that I think is important when we talk about corporate prayer, number one was agreement. Number two is focus. Focus meaning corporate prayer is only as effective as the focus that is maintained throughout. Okay. Going back to, you know, my childhood, going to corporate prayer. Um, I just remember uh, going to corporate prayer and we just coming together to pray, but everybody's praying about different things, right? So we're basically taking our intimate prayers, putting it in a room and coming together and praying corporately, intimately together, right? And I remember, and, and, and this is no knock on it because this is not to knock it. This is not to knock it, right? But, but the reason why I'm saying I remember it is because I remember there was a hum in the room. And oftentimes, you know, as you're walking to try to find your seat, just imagine us, and it was packed, right? Imagine us trying to just find a spot to kneel down and, and pray. And you're listening to different people's prayers as they're coming in. One person's praying for this, and one person's praying for that, one person's praying for that. And then there would be a time in the prayer where someone would um, almost be anointed to carry the room and change the whole dynamic of the room. And they or their voice would start to get louder than everybody else's they will begin to pray on a specific target. And now the whole room is praying on that target and you can feel the whole atmosphere change right. in the room, right? A lesson was learned there that effective corporate prayer has to have one voice. And that's not necessarily in an individual voice like one person, but the spirit of one voice and that there's a target. Why are we gathered here today? Why are we praying? What are we focusing on together? What do we need to come in alignment with together? What is our target? So that if there's a target, then there's a way for you to understand progress. There's a way for you to gauge whether this is successful or this is not. So notice here, the church's corporate prayer in this particular scenario was motivated by the fact that Peter was just captured. James was just killed. And the people need strength to believe that God is going to take care of them because they're living and trying to believe and trying to endure such persecution for the, for the sake of Christ. And you can see why the power of corporate prayer was necessary here, because you could imagine the different emotions that these people were feeling at this time. Some people probably were really struggling. You know, like, like this, is, this is getting crazy out here. And I, I encourage you, even as you are looking at the news and listening to what's happening in, across the world, in Haiti and Afghanistan. And as we are hearing all these things that are happening to Christians all over the world and people, um, God is calling us to be sensitive to the need outside of us in our personal lives and into a more universal sense, right? That this is not just praying for our church, but the church 
of God in the world. It's not just the American church or the black church or, you know, this, this is the church of God. And every Christian that believes in Christ is a part of the church. So we are to be praying about the needs of the church. So first is agreement. Second is focus. There's an intention while we're coming together. There's a reason for us coming together. And I agree with that reason. And the Bible says this about that reason. And we're praying and joining arms together, not to move and shake heaven. No, but to come into agreement with the word of God, to take our authority and understanding our place in God, understanding that coming together gives us the strength to overcome what is fighting our faith to believe that God is able to do what he is going to do. So coming together is not a formula to be able to get our prayers answered. Let's come together and, and, and just bombard God and overtake God with numbers. No, it's about helping us to come together in agreement with what God's will. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to add, mm -hmm. and, you know, because there, there are several examples um, in the New Testament where, you know, they, they come together, where, where a group of people coming together to pray is highlighted. Mm -hmm. And you'll find that in the beginning, there's always an establishment of the fact that they've come together on one accord, right? Mm -hmm. When they came together uh, after Jesus ascends into heaven and tells them, you know, don't worry about when, you know, Israel will be restored in the, in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. The way you see it or the way you want to see it will happen or mm -hmm. take place. But rather just look for the spirit that's going to come after me and he will endue you with power to do what you need to do, right? right. To become witnesses. So it's, the scripture says they come together on one accord mm -hmm. into a place and they pray. Like they, they set themselves aside for prayer in expectation for what Jesus told them would come. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's another example where when Peter and John are witnessing about the gospel and the resurrection of Christ and the Jewish leaders come to them and say, basically, you need to stop, mm -hmm. right? Or you're going to, you know, be in prison um, because they saw that people were believing and the church was growing. So Peter goes to a house with other believers and says, if we don't stop, they're going to lock us up. So we need to pray for the boldness to continue preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. And after they come together and they pray for that specific target, the next thing that happens is it says they were of one heart mm -hmm. and one soul. So mm -hmm. it, it speaks to, again, the coming together on one accord and what happens after that. So, yeah, yeah, the agreement. And the focus. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that, like the heart and soul. It's not, oh yeah, that's a good idea. So let's just pray about that. No, it's deeper than that. It's a heart agreement and a soul agreement. Right. It's way deeper than just, you know, cooperation. That's the power of corporate prayer, that it would strengthen them and sustain them in the face of suffering, in the face of persecution, in the face of when times got rough. So the reason why Acts chapter 12 is so important is because it shows us what's happening behind the scenes when we are praying. A lot of times the problem with prayer is we don't see it working. We don't see what's happening. We don't see uh, what God is doing, right? Verse five tells us Peter was kept in prison and the church prayed fervently to God for him, right? So the target was Peter. The church came together and agreed came on one accord and fervently 
prayed. That's heart and soul right there. Fervent. That means it's coming from another place. It's not just, let's just, it's coming from your soul. Let's pray for Peter, right? So they prayed for him. And while they're praying, God is working. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but you can, you can see how um, microscopically the Bible kind of gets us into the spirit realm of what God is actually doing. This was such a powerful thing that Peter didn't realize it was real when it was happening. So Peter's being prayed for, and he doesn't even fully understand and realize the deliverance that is coming as a result of fervent prayers, targeted fervent prayers, right? So miracle happens, an angel comes and leads him out to prison, and the door opens up. And this leads us to the last part of what we were saying as far as the three things that are the primary ingredients to effective corporate prayer. First, agreement. Second, focus. And the third is expectation, right? So going back to your awesome analogy about the sports team. If this is your favorite team and you go to the game and you decide to go and put a jersey on and put the face paint on and go out there and buy the banners and the posters and all that, Get the whistles and all the other things that you're going to get. You don't expect your team to lose. You're doing all that because there's an expectation, right? And the expectation grows the more people agree. Mm -hmm. The expectation grows the more you realize and you're watching and you're, you're believing. And, and this person praying, oh, yeah. And maybe, maybe they'll say something about the team. Yeah, because uh, when they were down by 10 last time, uh, this player came back and, and did this. Yeah, that's right. So now I believe more that my team's going to win. And then this person comes and says, yeah, but uh, they're down by five, but this person is a good shooter or this person scores or this person is clutch. That's right. And here comes his expectation being built up, mm -hmm. right? Effective corporate prayer, like you said, is infectious. And it's less about a moving God. And I keep saying that on purpose because a lot of times we, we try to figure out what a formula is to get what we want from God. And we, and we feel like, if, okay, if something's about to jump off, let's all come together mm -hmm. and, in hopes that we will convince God or we will, we will like you say, shake heaven and earth yep. so that it doesn't happen. Yep. But it doesn't matter if there's one or 100 people. If it's not according to God's will, right. there's nothing you can do about it because that it's not his will. Right. So, you know, that's why the importance of reiterating the fact that we pray according to God's will. And, and when you when you submit something to God in prayer, listen, God, this is what I'm praying and this is what I, we're submitting. But if it's not according to your will, then don't let it be done. Mm -hmm. But it's it's that fact that we're coming together to pray according to his will, not what we think may be his will. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, submitting, like when you submit something for grading, you submit something, you're basically at the mercy of the person who's going to come back with a yay or nay. Right. But the confidence in your submission comes from the agreement that I have agreed with what would be acceptable. Right. So same thing with God. So that agreement is not just necessarily between us where we're coming together and praying about the same thing, but all three of us, me, you, and God are agreeing that God's word says this, right. and this says this. So when I'm praying, my confidence comes from the fact that, okay, this is what God says. So what we're requesting is in line with what he says. So 
let's just submit it mm -hmm. and believe God, right? And then the synergy comes from the praise of God because of his reputation of answering prayers like this according to his will that you've experienced. So this expectation aspect of it is just as important as agreement, just as important as focus, because we don't pray and not expect it to happen. And if we are praying and not expecting it to happen, then why pray? It could be an indication, like we're saying, that when we are praying, we're not familiar with God's word or his will, so we're just throwing it out there to see what sticks. And unfortunately, a lot of our relationships can be tempted in a way where, kind of like we are, I want to say bamboozled, but we're tricked to believe that prayer is more so about putting yourself in the right place just so you can get an answer that is pleasing to you from God, rather than allowing God's will to be done through us for the benefit of everyone, not just us. So it's, this, this whole series, God is calling us to think beyond the scope of our own needs and more so in a way that we're bringing heaven down. We're allowing God's will to flow through us. And when we do that, we are expecting his will to be done through us as it is in heaven. So notice this, the miracle happens. They're praying fervently for him. They agree, they focus the prayer, but you know, because of the situation, because of how dire the situation is, because somebody already died, because Herod is so mean, hmm, what happens to our expectation when right. the environment is crazy? Peter is delivered and he can't even believe he's delivered. So he comes out and he goes to the house and knocks on the door and they're still praying fervently for him to be released, not knowing that the answer has already been done. So the answer's knocking on the door, knocking, knocking, knocking. Now, mind you, right, this moment is very important, and I pray that we grasp the, 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 the importance of expectations, because when you pray and don't expect, you have all those things right, that I'm praying with a, with a heart um, that, is, that is towards God, praying in line with his word, focusing on a target, I'm expecting it to happen. But if I don't expect it to happen, when the answer comes, I might miss it. Now, think about this. If Peter's out there knocking, He's just got out of prison. It's nighttime, but he's supposed to be in prison. So if there might be any guards walking around or whatever like that, the answer is at the door. But if the answer is not let in, the answer is still in danger, right? Right. So Peter's knocking out there and he, he, he's like, okay, listen, you, you prayed, but, but you need to open the door and let me in, right? So the encouragement is, as we are focusing on praying, we are to expect God to be God at the same time. And expecting God to move on our behalf, expecting God to do what he desires to do, expecting to see God's will done. That makes prayer real to us. Takes it out of this whole, oh, I prayed therapeutically, or I prayed to just ease my conscience, or I just prayed just, it gives a level of effectiveness to prayer that you know I'm doing something with intent and expecting a result. And it may not be the result that I'm looking for, but I'm expecting God's will to be done because I have allowed God permission into this situation. We have come in agreement with him and each other. We have a targeted focus. And now we're going to wait for what God does. So understanding the power of having an intimate relationship with God first, personally. Understanding God's character personally. Understanding God's will and his word personally.
And this is not necessarily being like the smartest person with a Bible, right? This is you growing in your relationship and taking time to cultivate a real, genuine, intimate relationship with the Lord on your own. So that when you come to prayer corporately, now you are bringing what you know about God, not what you think. Right? Right. Or what someone else is telling you. Yes. Or what you've learned through osmosis with being with... I mean, and there are... I, I shouldn't say that because there, there are things that you can learn yeah. and glean yeah. from being around other believers. But like you said, first and foremost, certain foundational truths have to be real to you. Mm-hmm. And they, you, they have to become reality in your scope before you can join. That's what happens in corporate prayer. People get a revelation of God that they haven't heard or seen and known before because you're coming together and bringing all those intimate relationships with God together in one place and now focusing them on one target. Man, that revolutionized your communication with God. There's been many times I've learned how to pray better by being in a room with someone whose prayer life intimately is off the charts. And I'm learning, man, listen, I can grow in this area. It just brings to mind like how we talked about uh, before in, in our identity um, series. We talked about how basically we're all one body, right? We're, we're many yeah. members, we're, but we're fitly joined together. Mm-hmm. And we all together create one body. And even in the example that I gave with, with Peter and John, you know, when, when, when they came together and prayed for boldness to continue mm-hmm. preaching and sharing the gospel, at the end, it says they became basically of one heart and one soul, mm-hmm. and then they became common. Yeah. They became common among all of them. So there was no I's and U's and, and, big and eye, little U's, right. Yeah. It, it was one common people. They weren't distinguished. I mean, of course, they were apostles that were leading, mm-hmm. but in the spirit, they were one. One church. One group. Yeah. And I think that that's what we need to take away with both looking at corporate prayer, but just in general, how we mm-hmm. live our life with our salvation is mm-hmm. we are just one part of a whole. And if we adopt that mindset, it takes the pressure off of having to achieve something on our own because we, we know that we're a part of one body. Yeah. And so there's strength and unity in the fact that we can draw from the person next to us because... We've got one mind, we've got the same focus, and mm-hmm. we can all expect the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just adapting that mindset of being common, of being of one fitly yeah. joined together yeah. body. Yeah. I love the scripture in First Peter 5. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yes, verse uh, 8. Chapter five, resist him standing firm in the faith. Why? Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Mm. Yeah. So coming together, even in prayer, like you said, will will cause us to gain strength from one another because and, and you know, this could be physically coming together corporately. Yeah. But, you know, there, there are plenty of uh, instances where where someone may proclaim like a day of prayer or mm-hmm. like a time of prayer. Um, and that, that was the other thing I was going to say, how in the Old Testament they will come together for a solemn assembly, mm-hmm. which which would call for fasting 
and prayer for repentance, yeah. right? So there are many examples, even now, where, where people may call a time of praying and fasting. But in doing that corporately, you're also gaining strength in knowing, okay, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not bugging mm-hmm. right now. Like mm-hmm. there's other people experiencing the same things. Okay, so I'm not crazy. This is really happening, but it's all good because God has got us. Mm-hmm. And when you see other people going through the same things, and 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 your neighbor on on the other side of the world is going through what they're going through. You know, okay, so there's something to this because all of us are suffering the same things, but we can take heart and know that He's already overcome the world. Yeah. So we have strength in that, right? And and our expectations can be fueled in that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Amen, mm-hmm. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you for this time that you have allowed us to share together. You've been faithful to us so many times. You've been so good to us. And we thank you for being consistent. We thank you for being gracious to us, Lord. And the times that we don't always connect the dots and don't always dot the I's and cross the T's, Lord, you still remain the same. We thank you for the ability to approach you and to have communion with you and to be able to communicate with you, the God of the universe. We don't take that for granted. And even as we're in this series, Lord, seeking to uh, mature in our communication with you, seeking to know you more, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray and teach us to pray. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.